Well, good morning, everybody. I love this church. It's a great church. So how would you like to have been the guy or the girl who came up with that little thing you stick in the top of the Starbucks cup to keep from spilling your coffee? They probably make so much money, they drive a helicopter to work. I would love to come up with a business idea like that, make a lot of money. It'd be great, wouldn't it? Heard about this a couple years ago. A guy came up with an idea for a business, and uh, it would be a restaurant concept. The restaurant would serve only Thanksgiving leftovers. You get, get cold turkey, you would get cold mashed potatoes and gravy, you would get cold stuffing, and every patron would have his own recliner. You'd have a little microwave with your food. There would be flat panel monitors on the wall with your favorite football games. And they would hire a family to sit over in the corner and argue politics while you ate <laughs> your Thanksgiving. And they would call this restaurant, Thanks Again. Yeah, great. It's Thanksgiving week in America. And this is Thanksgiving Sunday. And every year, about the time the trees are bare and about the time the cold wind comes, Thanksgiving comes to Michigan again. And it's a blessed time of the year. The holiday nicely shortens that third week in November. It's a family time. It's a mellow. It's a simple holiday. And it goes by quietly. And it doesn't require a second mortgage to pay for it. And any holiday that involves football and food is a good holiday. But it's, but it's more than that, right? Thanksgiving is more than football and turkey. It's, a, it's the kind of holiday that reaches down into the bottom of your soul if you let it. And so I want to talk to you today about the holiday that reaches down into your soul. I don't need to tell you that the Bible is filled with exhortations to be thankful, with commands to be thankful, with examples of people who were thankful. I, I don't need to tell you that. But why is that? Why is the Bible so full of this Thanksgiving thing? Why from cover to cover do we see so much about Thanksgiving? And it's because of what happens when God's people give thanks. And so today, what I want to do is I want to give you seven things that will we'll be here till 7 o'clock, right? Seven things. Hey, we won't be here till 7. Uh, seven things that happen when you give thanks. Number one, Thanksgiving is a witness in a twisted world. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14, it's that passage you know, that talks about living in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. And most of us would agree the world's not what it ought to be. We wish it was more godly. We wish it was more devout. We wish it was more holy, more pleasing to God. It's not. We live in the middle of a twisted and perverted generation. And what does the Apostle Paul write here in Philippians that we ought to do in the middle of a twisted and perverted generation? He says, whatever you do, get on Facebook and give your political opinion. No, he doesn't. What he says is, whatever you do, don't let me catch you murmuring or complaining. Right? Let's read it. This is uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. See, that's like the opposite of thanksgiving, grumbling, arguing. That you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked, twisted generation 
among whom you shine as lights in the world. What happens when we give thanks? Well, thanksgiving is a witness to a twisted world, to a messed up world. Daniel, he lived in a messed up world, right? Daniel of the Bible, pulled away into Babylonian captivity, brain washed with things that weren't true, and they told him he couldn't pray. Remember that? They told him he couldn't pray. And on pain of death, he prayed anyway. And you find the story in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10 when they said all the terrible things that were going to happen to him if he went ahead and prayed. He went back to his room and he opened up his windows toward Jerusalem like he always did and he prayed. But what did he pray? Can you guess? Listen to what it says in Daniel in chapter 6 verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem he knelt down three times a day and prayed and he gave thanks before his God as was his custom from the early days Daniel prayed all that he prayed all his life prayed every day giving thanks good example what do you do in a twisted and perverted generation you you keep giving thanks to God now the second thing Thanksgiving also stimulates revival in our own soul. Thanksgiving is a good way back to God, right? The, you know in Romans chapter 1 and verse 21, it says, although they, this is in that grand downward spiral of a culture away from God, right? Which ends in all kinds of sordid, ugly things. Romans 1, 21, although they knew God, they didn't honor him as God, and they didn't give thanks to him, and, and they became futile in their thinking. And what happened to their hearts? Their foolish hearts were darkened. So people that don't give thanks, their heart gets darkened. So wouldn't the opposite be true? If we give thanks, light pours into our soul. It has a beautiful effect of revival on our own soul. If you want to stir up revival in your own soul, open your mouth and say thank you to God for stuff. Make a list of things that you're grateful for. Because thanksgiving is a witness in a twisted world and thanksgiving is a means of revival it's the first step back to god number three how am i doing moving right along here number three thanksgiving is transformational it changes us inside out it's interesting how many of you don't raise your hand right now you struggle with bad language your wife is looking at you right now like "Mm mm-hmm Mm -hmm. You struggle, like you're in traffic, somebody cuts you off, and there's that word from your old life, and you wrestle. I'm going to give you a tip today about how to stop saying stuff you shouldn't say. It's right here in Ephesians, and you look at the passage in Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 3 and 4. Sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness, covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among holy Jesus followers, saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking which are out of place. Replace those with what? Yes, thanksgiving, but giving of thanks. So here's a tip. If you're having trouble saying the wrong things, when you're tempted to say the wrong thing, replace it with saying thank you for something. That's one of the beautiful things about thanksgiving. It's what it displaces. It's so powerful what thanksgiving displaces. I thought of this often. If you're tempted to criticize somebody, stop and just give thanks. Good idea, huh? If you're tempted to complain about your circumstances, stop and give thanks. Thanksgiving is powerful 
because of what it displaces. If you're, if you're tempted to covet things you don't have, stop and thank God for what you do have. It displaces coveting. If you're tempted to condemn other people, I mean, Jesus had every right to, but he came into the world not to condemn, but to save people. And if you're tempted to condemn people, stop and be a thank, give thanksgiving. That just will change everything. Thanksgiving's wonderful in what it displaces. Now, here's a fourth thing. Thanksgiving overcomes an entitlement mentality. You ever meet somebody like that? They just expect stuff all the time? It's just, a, it's just kind of repugnant, repulsive. You know the story in the Bible of the lepers that were cleansed and, and only one came back and said thank you. When Jesus says, so where are the nine? Luke 17, 11 through 19. And you remember back in Luke 15, the famous story of the prodigal son. He's in a far country and when he comes to himself, when he starts thinking, he realizes all the things that he had that he never realized he had. And he starts to remember, man, the servants in my father's house ate better than I do. That's what happens, you know, when Thanksgiving comes into your heart, it helps you to realize you don't deserve anything but, but I was complaining this weekend. My wife said to me, and if you've heard my preaching, you know where I'm coming from here. I was complaining about something. I forget what it was, something small, you know, and my wife says, well, you're not in hell because <laughs> we deserve to be in hell, right? So if you're not in hell, it's a good day, right? <laughs> so we got something to take alert. That, that's tough being a preacher because you get pre- your stuff preached back to you. And it's especially painful. Anyway, Thanksgiving overcomes this entitlement mentality. I had dinner with a Chinese man once, and I took him to have some American food. I said, you, need, you want to go to a Chinese restaurant? Or can I take you to an American restaurant? He goes, I think I like to go to an American restaurant. I'm like, that's good. So I took him to Bob Evans, like you do, right? And, and we ordered chicken noodles, people. Chicken noodles. Put it in your notes. Yeah. So we ordered the chicken noodles. It's been on the menu for like 40 years at Bob Evans. I'm like, I want you to have noodles. So I took the Chinese man to get noodles at Bob Evans. We were talking, and I told him that one of my claims to fame is that I once wrote a story that was published in Chicken Soup for the Soul. Specifically, yes, you can have my autograph later. Specifically, it was, it was, it was published. That was a grand reaction. That's what you you really hope for. It was published in Chicken Soup for the Grandparent Soul. Anyway, I told him that. He said he said, you know, in China, he published books that were the Chinese equivalent of Chicken Soup for the Soul, and he gave me a copy, beautiful copy of his book. He said, let me tell you a little story that's in chicken soup for the Chinese soul. Like, all right. He said, once there was a little girl that got angry, a young woman that got angry with her mother. And she was so angry with her mother, that she said, I'm not even going to stay here, here with you. And she went away. Early in the morning, she went away. She says, I'm not coming back. Well, then she began to get hungry and cold and tired. And she wandered out through the marketplace. And when she was especially cold and hungry and tired, she found a little old lady there in the marketplace selling noodles. And she went up to the lady and she says, I'm hungry, I'm cold, and I'm tired, and I'm far from home. She said, Do you, and I don't have any money. Could I just have a few noodles? And the elderly lady said, you sure can, honey, sit down. And she gave her a cup of noodles. And her hands stopped trembling and she warmed up and she said, thank you so much. I'm so grateful for these noodles. And the wise older lady said, 
where do you live? And she told her, and she says, why are you here? And she said, I, I ran away from home. And she said, how old are you? He said, I'm 14. And the old lady said, you're 14. That means for 14 years, your mother has fed you every single day. For 14 years, your mother has made sure you have clothing and, and shelter, and she's given things to you. And now you got upset with her, and you came here to me, and I gave you a cup of noodles, and you said, thank you. You need to go home, and you need to thank your mom for those 14 years that she's taken care of you. An entitlement mentality is driven out of our hearts when we give thanks. Number five, Thanksgiving is also being like Jesus. And that's what this is all about around here, right? We want to be like Jesus. Our goal as a church is to, is to follow Jesus, is to be fully devoted followers of Jesus and to help other people be fully devoted followers of Jesus. It's not complex. It's just finding those things that are like Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit, just doing them. And one of the things that Jesus, of all people, did was he gave thanks. And he didn't just give thanks when things were going well. On the eve of his death, the Bible says, that he broke bread and he didn't eat it without saying what? Thank you, God. That is, by the way, when I was a kid, I always wondered, why don't we pray after we eat instead of before? I've always thought that, number one. And number two, why do we close our eyes? Scripture and verse, Mom. Where does it say we have to close our eyes? Well, anyway, so, but, but I did discover that Jesus prayed before he ate. Now, he probably prayed after he ate, too. But this is what it says there in Mark chapter 14 and verse 23. He took the cup, and when he'd done what? When he had given thanks. When he had given thanks. He gave thanks on the eve of his abandonment, his betrayal, his torture, his death. He was still thankful, even though he knew he was facing something hard. Thanksgiving is it's Christ-like. Now here's something else. Thanksgiving connects us with the communion of the saints. It connects us with other believers that all around the world and back through time. Maybe you've heard of that phrase, you know, we, that, that we believe in the communion of the saints. In other words, like our sister Karen Palmer, she was always here. She raised her girls. She and, and her husband raised their girls right here. Loved Jesus, taught the Bible, led the choir, the children's choir. And now she's gone to be with the Lord, but she's not dead. She's alive with God. And she's still our sister, and she's beholding the face of her Savior, and we are in communion with her in the sense that this is the communion of the saints. And how do we do what they were doing? We give thanks. That's what they're doing. They're beholding the face of their Savior. They're giving thanks to God. And when we give thanks to God, we're doing what they're doing. This is uh, connecting us with the communion of the saints. It's, it's when we gather together in a, an assembly, all the way back through the centuries of godly history, people have looked forward to a place of assembly where they can just openly declare that God is their God and that they're grateful for him and that, he, that, that they owe him their life. This is what, why, one of the reasons why we assemble so that we can with other people say, God, God is my God. Jesus is my Savior. I'm grateful for all that he's done for me. This is good for your soul to do that. And this is what God's people do. Listen to Psalm 22 verse 22 and verse 25 i will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation i will praise you from you comes my praise in the great congregation my vows i will perform before those who fear him psalm 111 in verse 1 says i will give 
thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright, in the congregation. The Bible is teaching that there's something that happens to us when we join with the saints who've gone before us and the saints who gather around us and we give them thanksgiving and praise. It's good for your soul. It goes down into your soul. Psalm 116 verse 18 says, I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all of his people. And then you know this, when you get to the end of the Bible and you have the narrative, you have the story in the end of the Bible. In Revelation chapter 5 and 6, of course, you know, 4 and 5. And verse 7, chapter 7, verse 12 says, Amen. There was this, a, a grand chorus of, of angels and living creatures and elders and saints that are all bowing down and saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and what? Can you guess? Thanksgiving, blessing and glory and wisdom and thank through the echoing ages of eternity we will be doing this we will be giving him thanks and what we'll be giving him thanks for these saints that were singing and praising him were not those who'd never gone through hardship they were often martyrs they were they were persecuted they'd gone through heartache maybe you've gone through much heartache in your life nobody gets through life without getting beat up a little bit right and you think, well, you know, I, I would say thank you, but things aren't the way that I wish they were. Can I ask you this, like, what's the heart, what's the root of your thanksgiving? You see, the root of your thanksgiving, it's rooted in things that can never be taken away from you. And when they're giving him thanks in heaven, they're not saying, God, thank you so much that I owned a new Ford. They're not saying that. They're not saying in heaven, thank you, Lord, that my marriage was absolutely perfect and everything worked out great for me. That's not what they're giving him thanks for. They're on their face saying, praise to the Lamb. It's all redemptive. It's about the cross. It's about their salvation. That's at the heart of everything. That's what can never be taken away from you and that's the root of our thanksgiving it's the it's our relationship with god through christ amen. amen blessing and glory and honor and wisdom and thanksgiving and power and might be to our god forever and forever now here's the last one verse uh, number seven thanksgiving is a pleasing offering to god thanksgiving is a pleasing offering to god it's given God something that pleases him. And that's what it says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. The writer of Hebrews says to the church, this is what we ought to always do. Just continually give him thanks. Something about that that's good for us. I'm talking about actually doing that. Writing out a thank you note to God. And reading it out loud to him getting up in the morning saying to god god i love you i'm thankful for all that you've done for me for who you are it's a beautiful thing and i want to give you an assignment for extra credit write out a testimony of thanksgiving write it down read it out loud to god do this this week just a just a suggestion write out a testimony of thanksgiving write out a big old thanksgiving list to god and then read it to God. Just tell him, God, I want to thank you that I was able to sleep through the night last night. I want to thank you that I am in the, in, if you have $500,000 in your retirement account, I caught that. I'm like, bro, I'm following you. Yeah. And I thank you that I'm in the top 10% of the world that God has gifted me. Thank you, God, that I have a, a car to drive. I'm driving my car one morning, and I see this kid, he's on a bike. He's not on a bike because he wants to be on a bike. He's on a bike because he doesn't have a car. 
and he's struggling against the elements. Nobody would go out in a morning like that and ride their bike for fun. He's all bundled up, and he's in the slush, and he's in the snow, and he's trying to make his bike work and get down the street, and there's warm, warm air flowing out from under the dash of my old beater car, and then all of a sudden, I never thought of it before, but I said, thank you, God, that every time when I start my car, warm air flows out from underneath the dash. It keeps me warm. I'm so faithful to you, God. You're so good to me. Share this testimony of thanksgiving at your family gathering. Say, hey, excuse me, I got something I want to say. You know, make sure that you don't do it while the food is sitting there getting cold. You're going to get in trouble if you do that. But like, ask the ladies, when is it going to be done? You know, time it up and then say, I got something I want to say. And tell your family that you're thankful to God. Write out a testimony of thanksgiving. Tell it to God. Read it to God. Write out a testimony of thanksgiving. Tell it to your family. Things will get beautifully quiet when you do that. Hey, be bold. Put it on Facebook, folks. Huh? Put a little Instagram post. Tweet it. You have more characters to work with now. Did you know that? So you can give more thanksgiving to God on Twitter. They doubled your space on Twitter. Make him know. You ever notice <laughs> extroverts usually marry introverts? Introverts usually marry extroverts. You ever notice that? I had a friend... His name was Levi Wisner, wonderful guy, kind of an outgoing guy. He had his wife named Phyllis. And Phyllis was, he was a pastor, an old holiness preacher. I was in a meeting with him one time, and he was just testifying. And then all of a sudden, he stops. And he looks over at his wife over there, and he says, Phyllis, I want you to testify. Now, he was really outgoing, but Phyllis was very, very quiet, very shy. And he just looked over at it, and he said, Phyllis, I want you to testify. And then she got up with her hands trembling, and she gave a testimony, and it was a beautiful thing. I thought, that's good. I'm going to do that. Lois does not like to speak publicly, but I'm telling you, she's sick today. But if she, if she were, wouldn't be telling her to testify, she would beat me up. And we've got to be on good terms. It's Thanksgiving. I want to eat well. But, you know, what's like, I said, I'm going to do that. Every once in a while, I'll say to Lois, honey, I want you to tell about how you came to know the Lord. And she's not going to deny her Lord, so up she stands on her feet and just very quietly starts to tell about her love for the Lord. It's such a beautiful thing when even in the simplest words you just tell God how thankful you are to him, especially for your salvation, that he forgave you, that you have eternal life, and all the other things that he's given to you. <laughs> Thanksgiving is a witness in the twisted world. It means, it's a means of personal revival. It's transformational in speech and spirit. It overcomes an entitlement mentality. It's Christ-like. It connects you with the communion of the saints. And it's a pleasing offering to God. So I would say Thanksgiving is a pretty good idea. And that's why the Bible is so full of that. And my daughters, I have four. We have four boys and four girls, as you, as you probably know. And, and I always said to the boys, you guys ought to throw your guitars in the trunk or gently place them in the trunk. And you ought to go west and you ought to, you know, like sing on the streets and in churches and stuff like that. You ought to just camp your way out west. And they always wanted to go, go out west and sing. And what the problem was the boys never pulled that off, but the girls were listening. And they said to me one day, we'd like to do that. And I'm like, no, you can't do that. You're girls. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I'm kind of afraid if you go out, you know, I'm afraid. And they go, well, we'll take mom with us. I'm like, you're good then. But they went to Kentucky. They did this. They took their bluegrass music, and they went down to the mountains of eastern Kentucky, where my wife is from, where the folk there love their bluegrass. And a lot of the young people aren't singing bluegrass, so 
four young girls singing bluegrass music was endearing to the people in the mountains of Kentucky. They were invited all over the place to give their testimony and to sing. I said to the girls, I don't want you to just go down there and sing. I want you to tell them your love for Jesus when you do. So I want you to sing a song, and then I want one of you to testify. And then I want you to sing, and then another one. And I want like everybody to testify. Everywhere you go, I want you to sing. And even in the simplest ways, I would suggest that you let the people know that you know Jesus and that you love him. And they did that. And even Hope was a little tiny then. And they, and they went through the mountains of Kentucky, and they sang in these little churches with the most unique names. Now, one day, they were up in the mountains of Kentucky, and they were singing at a little church. And then and between the songs, and, and in that particular day, Lois was with them, and Lois's mother, Aline, Hatton was with them. Now, Lois is shy, and her mother is painfully shy. Now, they're there, and little Hope, they sing a song, and Hope gives her testimony. Then they sing a couple more songs, Holly gives her testimony. They sing a couple more songs, and Hannah gives her testimony. They sing a couple more songs, and Heidi gives her testimony. They sing a, a couple more songs, and they quit. And the pastor's heart is full. He gets up, and he says, this has been such a wonderful night. To hear these songs and to hear these girls give their testimonies, I think I'd like to hear their mother's testimony. And without any hesitation, Lois just got to her feet and she said, I love Jesus with all of my heart. I'm grateful for him. He's been so good to me. And she sat back down. And then the pastor said, it's been so wonderful to hear the girls' testimonies and to hear their mother's testimony. I think I want to hear grandmother's testimony now. And when he said that, things got really quiet. My daughter Holly is probably the most verbal of all the girls. She thought, I'm going to stand up and bail Grandma out. She started to get to her feet, but Grandma got up first. And Grandma Ellie gave a beautiful testimony there in those mountains of eastern Kentucky to her people about how God's walked with her all of her life, even though her life has been very hard. And they were walking to the car afterward. They said, Grandma... I can't believe he did that. She said, these are my people. I want them to know I love God. You stand up, we're going to sing before we go.